welcome to talc teaching and learning consultation skills this is the talc talks podcast helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills to get better outcomes and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction This podcast is part of the module called Talc Skills for Effective Information Gathering, and it concerns the chapter which is called Simple Steps to Powerful Listening 2. How can video stop-start help you to hear in three dimensions? The use of attentive listening is a vital skill in all areas of the consultation. It can often go wrong quite near the start of the conversation when anxiety levels can be high. The clinician can easily become preoccupied with asking themselves, will I be able to work out what's going on with this patient? I don't really understand what they're saying, or something like that. As a result, the clinician may be mainly focused on thinking about the right questions to ask next. The result of that can be that the clinician is so busy thinking ahead that they're not listening properly to what the patient is saying right now. This has several potential effects. If the clinician is not really hearing what the patient is saying, they risk missing vital information. Also, of course, it means that follow-up questions are less effective because they don't follow on from what the patient has been saying. The outcome can be inefficient and ineffective information gathering. However, not really hearing what the patient says has other less obvious effects. If the patient picks up that the clinician is not really hearing them, they tend to start repeating themselves. Any repetition in a consultation wastes time, yet most clinicians are keen to finish consultations in a timely way, ready for the next patient. So why do we waste time on repetition? If a patient feels they're not being heard, their relationship with the clinician is also damaged. This can result in a loss of trust, and further down the line, that may mean the patients don't really trust the management plan that's proposed, and then they don't stick to it. Pretty much every word that patient says is important to hear, remember, understand and interpret. Being fully attentive to what the patient is saying allows the clinician a bit of brain space too to notice other things. For example, there may be verbal clues or cues. See the chapter called Can Reading Between the Lines Make for More Accurate Diagnosis? An attentive focus on the patient can also yield a lot of non-verbal information and that can bring the patient into another whole dimension. A very powerful way to learn to start noticing all the information communicated by a patient is to use a method called video stop-start. The clinician and the educator watch a recorded consultation together in very short sections. The clinician is then challenged to repeat the exact words that the patient has said. This can be more difficult than it sounds, especially at first, but when you get the hang of it, rapid improvement is possible and your listening rapidly becomes more powerful. Doing this also helps the clinician to realise how much is being conveyed in each part of the conversation. It's not unusual to hear clinicians ask patients questions and then later in the consultation ask the same question again, even to ask questions about information that has already been given in the opening statement. What's more, the value of each sentence can be enriched many times over when you analyse a small chunk of a consultation, because then it's easier to get some practice in making other observations, such as tone of voice, dress, behaviour, eye contact, emotional expressions, and especially hesitations. Paying specific attention to exactly what the patient is saying can yield a great deal of information with very low effort. 
So here's one example of how really attentive listening can change how we view things. What if a patient begins by saying something like, thank you for agreeing to call me back so quickly. I've got this sore throat and hoarseness. Usually we are a pretty sturdy family. Now it's quite common when a sentence like that has been played for the clinician who's heard it to say something like, the patient's sore throat is making them hoarse and they're pleased to be called back quickly. While this may be true, it's not an exact reproduction of the patient's words. If you can't reproduce the patient's words exactly, it's valuable to replay the same segment of the video until you can do it. This may seem incredibly clunky at first. However, the devil really is in the detail. Let's hear that sentence again from the patient. Thank you for agreeing to call me back so quickly. I've got this sore throat and hoarseness. Usually we're a pretty sturdy family. Now then, it's true that the patient is saying thank you, but we do not yet know whether he's pleased. He may in fact be rather cross about how difficult it was to get a proper face-to-face appointment. Did the clinician actually agree to call the patient back quickly? And if so, is that an invitation to agree with the patient's judgment about the urgency or importance of his problem? Would this opening statement have a different significance if he'd said something else, something like, I'm glad the receptionist let me get a call at short notice? Or, thank goodness people can still get an urgent response from this practice. Or, well, how ill do you actually have to be to get a proper appointment round here? Secondly, what he says about usually we are a pretty sturdy family is a major clue about the significance of his contact with the practice, which could easily be missed if the clinician only listens to the symptoms. Using a very short chunk to analyse also allows us to focus on nonverbal issues. What if the patient is talking very quickly or very slowly? What kind of accent does he have? Is their speech conveying anxiety or anger? What can the speed, tone, accent and emotional quality of the voice tell us? All these matters are very helpful clues that help to unravel the consultation effectively and more quickly. Skills in noting such matters are learnable and they can be improved by using the video stop-start method. Another issue that can be corrected by using this method is illustrated here. So the clinician says, are you a smoker? And the patient says, no, I gave up smoking when I came to live with my daughter. The clinician says, who do you live with? Now, here the clinician only really listened to the information about smoking. Their second question tells the patient that the clinician is not really listening and that's bad for their relationship. It also wastes time because the patient has already given the information that he lives with his daughter. Working through consultations in this way can really enrich the information that clinicians obtain. This saves time, especially if repetition is avoided. However, the consultation is further enriched by the detail and complexity of the information that can be gleaned from paying careful attention. One clinician described it like this. First time I saw this consultation on video, it was like looking at a photograph of the patient. Having done video stop start, I'm seeing them in three dimensions now, almost as if I've read a novel or seen a film about them. I understand the patient so much more. It's very well worth having a try with video stop start to really identify what's going on. To make this more powerful, uh, you can use a video that the clinicians made, one made by the educator, or even one of the simulated videos available. But overall, using a video made by a clinician in training is usually the most productive in a one-to-one situation like a tutorial. In a group setting, it's better to use something that's in the public domain 
or one of the trainer's videos. Doing video stop-start can be a little bit exposing, and so it's not ideal for large group settings. The way to really maximise the benefit of this is to play maybe the first 60 to 90 seconds of the video. Then ask the clinician to recall as much as possible of what the patient said and to make notes of what the patient said and what they've already noticed in this part of the consultation. Then play the video again from the beginning, stopping after every sentence or two that the patient says. This may mean stopping the video every few seconds initially. Try to repeat the exact words the patient says. If the patient says, thank you so much for agreeing to see me at short notice, I've never had to ring up in the afternoon before, it's not adequate for the clinician to say, the patient is pleased, I can see her quickly. It's not an exact reproduction of the patient's words. Practice until you can really say exactly what the patient just said. In what that particular patient said, there's an important clue about, I've never had to ring up in the afternoon. And that gives a more weighty significance to her contact with the practice. And we have to wonder what the significance of that is. Watching the video in 10 to 20 second chunks will also help you realise how much is being conveyed in the early part of the conversation, particularly if it's enriched by detailed observation about the tone of voice, dress, behaviour and so on. What if the patient that we just heard from is a well-dressed office worker, clutching at a tissue and avoiding eye contact? Would it mean something different if she was dressed in pyjamas with a coat thrown over her, untidy and a bit smelly? What if she's talking very quickly or very, very slowly? What could these things tell us? All these matters are very helpful clues that will unravel the meaning of the consultation more effectively and quickly if we take notice of them. After 60 to 90 seconds of the recording, Write down again everything you now know about that patient and compare it to what was noted after the first time you watched the first 60 to 90 seconds uninterrupted. Most people find they've learned a great deal more after really paying attention to the details. Look out for the next chapter in this series, Simple Steps to Effective Listening, number three. Can you spot the skills? This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators, making training available to all.